Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From newsounds.org, this is the Soundcheck Podcast. a soundcheck session from our archives. Those archives go back 20 years, but this session is slightly more recent. It's from 2017. This is Soundcheck. I'm John Schaefer. The French multi-instrumentalist Cécile Schott records under the name Colleen, and for several years her music has been characterized by a blend of electronic and sampled sounds with acoustic instruments, especially the Baroque instrument known as the viola da gamba, which looks like a cello with frets. But on Colleen's latest album called A Flame My Love, A Frequency, that viola da gamba is gone. Instead, we get a whole album of electronics and vocals. Colleen is here to play some of those songs for us now, beginning with this one called Winter Dawn, live on Soundcheck. Thank <laughs> you. 
That is Colleen, live here in the Soundcheck studio with her song called Winter Dawn. Comes from the most recent album by Colleen called A Flame My Love A Frequency. And Colleen is the work of the French vocalist and electronic musician Cécile Schott. And Cécile, it's great to have you here with us in the studio today. Yeah, it's great for me to be here too. Thank you. Is that a quote from somewhere? It's a very poetic turn of phrase. It, it isn't. Uh, I think I I started with the image of the flame, and obviously this new work is, um, well, it's it's based on, on frequencies. I think it was just a period of my life where I was just happy to go into a more um, abstract exploration of sound. I think that's what electronics brought to me. So I was always thinking about, you know, like frequencies and hertz and that kind of things, because I work with uh, filters a lot. Mm -hmm. Like the album is also, you know, about um, love in the face of adversity, uh, adverse conditions. So at one point I just had this title that just came to me that seemed like the right thing. Yeah. Well, as I say, it's a very poetic uh, phrase and it is the the album title, uh, A Flame, My Love, A Frequency, and it's also a, a line from one of the songs on the record. So notable by its absence on this record is the viola da gamba, this Baroque instrument that you have used to great effect in the past. Mm -hmm. First of all, how did you get into that instrument, and then why not use it for this record? Okay, so um, I've, I've used two types of viola da gamba. Uh, first, I switched from 
the cello to a bass viola da gamba that was in 2006. I think I should specify that I'm not classically trained, so my way of playing the cello wasn't, you know, the like the proper way, I guess, to play. But my real dream was to play the um, the bass viola da gamba, which I discovered when I was about 15 via a film that was um, very successful at the time in France, Tous les Matins du Monde. That was successful here too, okay. th- about uh, Marin Marais. Yeah, and Marin Marais and Saint Colombe. Right. And I saw it on TV and when I was 15, uh, I mean, my family is not particularly versed on music. Uh, I would never have had the funds to have a viola and, you know, let alone I didn't have any classical education. So it just seemed way out of bounds and I was happy with my guitar anyway at that age. But I think it always stayed in the back of my mind. And then in 2006, I took the plunge and thought, you know, why wouldn't I get a viola? So I got a viola made uh, that led to my third album, Les Ondes Silencieuses. And then a couple of years later, I got a treble viola de gamba made. The um, smaller one. The smaller one, which is usually only used in uh, ensembles of Baroque music. And I got it because it was small. So I was already dreaming of a small setup. And the sound of its strings when plucked reminded me of a ton of other instruments. It could sound a little bit like a harp, like a chora. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I knew that probably one day I would be able to do something with it. it. took a couple of years and it's only on my fourth album in 2013, The Wing of the Heart, that I started to use it and it really opened up a whole new path. That then led to my fifth album, Captain of None, where it's married to uh, a dub Jamaican influence, which is very unlikely, but I really did love it. But when the time came to make my sixth album, my intention was to use a small synth called a pocket piano, which is actually even smaller than this one, to try and generate like unusual rhythms. And I thought I would make songs with my treble viola, because as I said, you know, I was very much in love with that sound. And then it just didn't work out that way. I mean, maybe one day it will work mm-hmm. out, but mm-hmm. it felt unnatural and contrived. And instead, I did manage to um, find a beginnings for new songs just with these two pedals by Moog and um, that other small synth that I that I bought. And I thought, well, you know, maybe that's the way to go. And I progressed and it just made sense. And of course, there's a lot more singing on this record than, than we've heard from you in the past. Yeah, um, I'm not sure Like, <laughs> if we had to count the minutes where I'm singing. I'm not sure if there's more on the last album, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, singing is definitely part of what I do now. Yeah. Um, were you always a singer, just maybe not on record? Or? No, I kind of sang in my parents' bathroom when I was 16. Uh, I would sing uh, uh, some David Bowie song, which I, I really liked singing at the time. But uh, which I was. One? Um, the Ziggy Stardust, I, I had um, like a score book oh, of, yeah, of yeah, Ziggy yeah. Stardust. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I kind of sang, but I was, I think I was more into the instrumental side of things until I suddenly in 2010, uh, after a break from music, I felt the urge to try singing. So I just tried and it's the way I do things. I try. Right. And you sing in English. Yeah. You're French, but you live in Spain. Yeah. You have a German last name and you have a kind of <laughs> Irish performing stage name and yet yeah. you sing in English. And an Italian boyfriend. <laughs> and an Italian boyfriend. <laughs> so you are all over the map. Yeah, that's the way I like it. Yeah. Did you grow up speaking English? Because I, I didn't, but I, um, at a very young age, I mean, I guess my first musical love, even before the Beatles, which was my first serious musical love, was uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Hmm. And I have distinct memories of trying to sing that in my parents' car. Uh, you know, singing in what 
we in French call yogurt, which is like, you know, when you <laughs> sing, but you don't know what you're singing. <laughs> and I would copy lyrics from, um, you know, LP sheets, even before starting to learn English in school when I was 11. And then actually English became a big passion. And then I became an English teacher. And oh. I lived in England for two years. So it makes sense that I speak in English. It's really a language that I feel uh, an affinity for. And mm -hmm. it's easier to sing in English than in French, I well. think. Um, you can sing in any language you like. It's, uh, you know, when you have this kind of lush layering of electronics underneath, it's almost the reverse of the shoegaze movement of the mm -hmm. 90s, you know, where the voice was kind of buried in walls of distortion. Yours is, it's like in these pillows of electronic <laughs> texture, which is remarkable given how small your setup is. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the, the great thing about modern electronic gear is it, it is mm. relatively portable. Yeah, this this setup is particularly small, even though I kind of uh, ruined the smallness of it by <laughs> including this uh, this mixing desk, which is like the biggest thing, but it's it's a very good mixing desk, so I'm happy I went that way. Yes, um, I, I do everything on my own, including touring, uh, so it needs to work for what I do. Right, so right. just be you know practical, how can I do this? We're speaking with Cecile Schott. She records as Colleen, and her latest album is called A Flame, My Love, A Frequency. It is her sixth record. And uh, essentially, uh, Cecile, you are performing the middle of the album for us. Are these songs, I mean, we heard Winter Dawn, and now we're going to hear Summer Night. Are, are these songs all related to each other? Yes, they are. Um, it was made during a year that was very tough for me um, personally. And it's basically a record that, well, that reflects on something which is uh, universal, um, you know, death, fear of death, fear of illness. But I try to express things in a way, well, first of all, I don't want things to be like too personal. I don't want to disclose details, you know, that are related to the people that I live with. And I think my way of writing lyrics, um, I can't write many lyrics and I wish I had maybe... Um, the ability to uh, uh, write stories in the way some of my favorite uh, songwriters do. Like, for instance, I'm a huge Towns Van Zandt fan. I think he has an amazing ability to mm -hmm. tell a story within a song. I'm not that kind of writer, so I try to do what feels natural to me, which is, a, I guess, yeah, for lack of a better word, a kind of poetic writing. And so the album starts in November, where um, I found myself by chance in Paris on the night of the... Uh, terrorist attacks. I mean, I wasn't affected personally. I didn't witness anything, but I just happened to spend 24 hours right on that day, which obviously, um, you know, left me shocked, like everyone who was there. And someone in my family was very ill. So the first song starts with this first moment. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of keeps uh, evolving. So <laughs> that's why you have like Winter Dawn and Summer Night. Uh, the full title is Summer Night Bad Song. And it's actually, even though it's a kind of a, it has very, a uh, melancholy chords it's actually about spending a night at my parents in my uh, childhood living room with the windows wide open bird watching during the day because i'm really into bird watching and then waiting for the first bats to appear there are maybe only two or three bats every night that appear i think it's just like a magical moment when this happens and so one night um, a bat nearly flew into my room and of course, because it's a bat and it has echolocation, it did the right thing. It was able to turn away and do its thing. And it was a very um, beautiful and like small but remarkable moment. Mm -hmm. And I knew that um, 
I wanted to include that in a song. The idea being not just that I'm marveling at the bat's ability, but also I think um, as people we tend, I mean at least I tend, to have a brain that will not stop thinking about the bad stuff or the mistakes I make or that kind of thing. And I was thinking how incredible it would be if my brain could work the same way that the bat's ability to fly. So like the song is about a feeling of peacefulness uh, that can be brought by, you know, the observation of nature and and what that means to you maybe to, to be in the bedroom of your childhood, but as an adult and mm. to feel a sense of peace about that. Well, you do get that sense of wonder uh, in the lyrics as, uh, you know, you marvel at the bat swooping. I mean, the word swoop appears, you know, several times in the uh, the course of the song. So um, why don't we hear a performance? Um, Colleen here with us in the Soundcheck studio. The full name of this song is Summer Night, subtitled Bat Song.
is Colleen, once again the uh, French multi-instrumentalist and uh, composer Cécile Schott performing as Colleen and another song from her most recent album called A Flame My Love, A Frequency that is Summer Night subtitled Bat Song uh, it's clearly the same piece that's on the record but it sounded different in, in live performance yeah. so is there improvisation involved or is it is it just how the electronics are working that day? Uh, okay, so basically the improvisation um, in my music, it happens during an early phase and the uh, compositional phase. Once I'm happy with something, I take a lot of notes because, I mean, I know usually I'm going to go on tour. So it's important that if something sounds good, it's not enough that I record it. I also need to know how I did it. Right. The reason I think the the thing that is supposed to have sounded different in this particular song is the ending, and that is because I, of course, record on software, which means that even though actually this album was recorded in live conditions, I can, for instance, um, record uh, a last chord, then bust that to an effect, and then uh, you know use the effect. In this case, I actually tried to do this ending like for two weeks in my studio, and I found out there is no way I could do it because basically the idea is that I should... Um, stop pressing the keys and at the same time press one of the buttons on the uh, delay pedal and that is just like physically impossible. <laughs> I would need to have like a third hand. So I settled for like a slightly different ending where I, I put more delay on the voice. It's yeah. like a solution, you know. Yeah, well, and you know, who wants to see the absolute note for note recreation mm -hmm. of something they already have at home, you know? It's fun to, to see the process unfold like that, that uh, you, you have a different set of challenges because you're playing live, and so you have a different set of solutions. And when I say you, I mean you singular. I mean, you do everything yourself. You write the pieces, you record them, you produce them, you set up your own tours. Uh, I do have an agent in the U.S. now, but I do book my flights and hotels <laughs> and all that stuff. And I'm the one who has to, you know, set up the clock every morning to make sure I don't miss any of it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and on your website, you also talk about what seems to be an unrelated subject, but turns out not to be so unrelated after all, which is clothing. The clothing that you are wearing right now, you made. So yeah. how did you get into that? And I guess the more interesting question is why? Um, because it feels like um, making clothes like feels like a part of my life now. And I thought it was somehow related to the way I try to do things in music, which is... Um, I really believe in, you know, being as independent as, as possible. And also, um, I think I live very minimally and that it's actually really reflected in, in my music. I think the small setup is no coincidence. And just like two years ago, um, I just was in need of new clothing. I was fed up with not finding things which were of quality. If I did find something of quality, it was like unbelievably expensive. And I think I love learning in general. 
and I think I was just ready to try something new. And um, yeah, so I started making my own everyday clothes and the clothes that are also for shows. Also has a therapeutic value. If you're stressed out, there is something um, Mm. highly satisfying about, you know, starting with a flat piece of fabric. And then there you are, you've fulfilled a basic need, which is like, we can't go naked in the streets. We need to protect ourselves with clothing. So it's also um, a way of really realizing the hidden costs of clothes as most of them are sold right now. So it's been a really great uh, learning curve. Mm. So it's maybe then about more than the clothes themselves, but the process oh. and, you know. The yeah, and trying to source, um, you know, ethical, organic right. fabric and just being mindful of, you know, everything. Right. And on a purely practical level, as you say, you do everything yourself. Your clothes need to work <laughs> for you if you're packing like yeah, minimal exactly. amounts of gear. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. So you were mentioning before, uh, you gave the example of Towns Van Zandt as someone Mm -hmm. who writes stories. You know, Mm -hmm. he wrote stories in his songs. Most of your songs, as you mentioned, are kind of snapshots. They're just little moments in time. You know, the Mm -hmm. bat that almost flies into the window and then swoops away. But this next piece you're going to do really does get into a kind of a storytelling aspect. It, it does, yeah. I think it's almost like the companion piece to the the song that I've just played. Uh, again, it's one of these uh, small, I mean, at my own level, small reflections on, you know, the futility of what we do here. Those moments when you feel that nothing is worth anything, and then on the other hand, uh, I mean, for me, for instance, the joy that nature provides me is something that can, like literally a, a certain bird sighting or animal sighting can stay with me for weeks. Mm-hmm. To me, it always acts as a, as a reminder that um, life is full of beautiful things in spite of the, uh, I mean, the things that mostly we as humans are responsible for. We, we create most of the havoc on, on the planet. That's what my relationship to nature is is bringing me, even though I don't have a rosy-eyed view of the natural world, which can be extremely hard itself. Two animals are mentioned in the song, a kingfisher, and I, I saw I live in, in Spain, and I have a river close by where the first time we saw a kingfisher, we just couldn't believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought it wasn't that common, and then we realized there was a kingfisher that was there every day. So each time we, we saw, I mean, the European kingfisher has like bright blue turquoise, uh, incredible lights. Yeah. They're, they're quite different to the uh, American kingfishers. And the red fox is a fox uh, that I saw in some low mountains in Switzerland. It was after a festival. I just went bird watching on my own under the rain, kind of a desperate thing. I didn't see many birds, but there was a hill. I just went up the hill and as I just the second I got to the top, there was a red fox amid some grasses. It just lasted two seconds. He saw me, he mm-hmm. flew away, but it was just a beautiful encounter. And many times in life, uh, these are the moments. I mean, obviously, I'm not uh, discounting human relationships in this, <laughs> but I mean that um, they provide like a deep joy. So the title, The Stars versus Creatures, mm-hmm. you know, we look up at the stars and they remind us of how insignificant we are and they're cold and distant, but then... Then there's all this nature. Well, there's not all this nature anymore, but there's still some. Yeah. And it reminds us of, uh, of alternatives, of things that, uh, that can kind of make us feel better. So let's hear another song. This is The Stars Versus Creatures, Colleen, live on Soundcheck. 
That is Colleen with The Stars vs. Creatures from her most recent album called A Flame, My Love, A Frequency. It's her sixth record. It's out now. And uh, Colleen, a.k.a. Cecile Schott, has been playing some of these songs for us live here in the <laughs> studio. And Cecile, I know this is a question you must have been asked many times over the years, but there's always someone new listening in. Why the name Colleen? <laughs> I was sure it was going to be that one. Okay, so initially it, it was written with a small c, uh, and it wasn't a reference to the first name Colleen. So when I studied English, I would spend a lot of time with my bilingual. I had this huge bilingual dictionary. One of the things I love the most is as you open pages, sometimes you'll see a word at random. Actually, often it's a very rude word. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, on my dictionary, there was the word Colleen at the top. And it's an Irish word that means lass, young girl. And I thought it was such a beautiful word. And I was just starting to make um, the music that later became, you know, the Colleen Project. And I thought that the uh, the way the, the name was full of uh, curves and loops and repetitions, I thought it corresponded exactly to what I was uh, trying to do. And also the French word colline, which is spelled differently, means a hill. So again, I thought it was um, a word that was easy for everyone to pronounce. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, this is going to be my artist name. So it was spelled with a small c. And then what happened is as time went by, people started to write it with a capital C. And I have better things in my life to do than, you know, send <laughs> emails. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I thought, okay, then now it's just going to be Colleen with a capital C. Okay. Um, can you envision ever doing a project that would not be Colleen, but would just be Cecile Schott? Not just, I mean, but would be different? Uh, I don't really think so. I think uh, under a name, I mean, especially because it's just me, I guess I understand the need to change names uh, for legal reasons or if you change uh, a band setup, but I don't really think so. Mm. I mean, uh, no, I don't. Okay. I don't. All right. Well, the uh, the latest album sounds terrific, and it was Thank you. great to see how you could actually produce that volume of sound and that quality of sound with such a small amount of gear. Really nicely done. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to an episode of the Soundcheck podcast from our archives. Our technical director is Irene Trudell. Our producer is Karen Havlick. I'm John Schaefer. You can see and hear much more on our website. Check it out at newsounds.org.